With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in once again to the place where sports opinions collide. Dead in sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the NFL preseason. Week 3 has been completed, the dress rehearsal is done, and we're going to break down some of the teams that have stood out thus far. We're also going to talk fantasy football, as the Dead End Sports Fantasy Football Draft was held this past Sunday. We're going to talk about our teams, and we're going to talk a little trash in the process. We're also going to talk about the Little League World Series. As Jackie Robinson West, the team from Chicago, makes it all the way to the championship game. Now that the Kevin Love trade has been completed, we're also going to get in some NBA talk as to how that affects LeBron James. College football, as well as other NFL talk, and much, much more. Of course, going to be joined by my boys, you know my partners, Beezy, Ken, and FIFO. So pass the word, dead end sports. It's about to go down, right now. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six. 
646-478-0356. Remember, this show is being broadcast live each and every Tuesday night. So in the event you cannot listen to the show live, check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash sports. You can also check us out on Stitcher. If you have an Android or iPhone, download the Stitcher application for free, upload it to Dead End Sports, and listen at your leisure at home or on the go. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes as well. If you have an iTunes account, please leave a message and uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think about the show. Uh, if you have a computer or a or a, <laughs> a smartphone, any type of phone, uh, do yourself a favor. Go to our YouTube channel. Watch our, 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 our broadcast on YouTube. We've done a couple of videos. We've got more on the way. Go to YouTube.com backslash Dead End Sports. Don't just watch us, but subscribe to our channel as well. You will be thoroughly entertained. Again, the phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about. want to thank each and every one for tuning in uh, the best two hours of the week. And we got it right here. Uh, so without further ado, as I mentioned at the top, I'm not going to be doing this show alone. I will be joined by my boys. So let me bring them on. First and foremost, let's bring in the beat maker, the crew he hails from the D. My man, Beezy. Beezy, what up, though? What up, though? What's good, Kyle? Chillin', man. Chillin', man. Chillin'. Can't complain. What about you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm ready to talk some sports with y'all, man. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Next up, my man, the the point guard and the quarterback of the crew. Got to bring in my man, FIFO. FIFO, was good? Is FIFO here? FIFO? FIFO. You, you don't got him here. Hold on. You, you know I pulled up the wrong. Okay, here we go. All right. FIFO, you there? Yeah, man. What, Kyle, man, how you missing up, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I pulled up Ken's number. <laughs> What's going man. on, man? I'm good, man. How about you? Man, I can't complain, man. All is well. All is well. And last but not least, man, Professor X of the crew, uh, Andy Dalton's personal agent, my man Ken. Ken, what's good? <laughs> man, what's, what's, <laughs> what's good, fellas? What's good, fellas? Hey, uh, man, chilling. Yeah, man, you know, I, I, I've been checking out this show called The Stream, man. I uh, saw people talking about it on YouTube, man. Not YouTube. Telling me uh, uh, Twitter, so I... I've actually been been kind of uh, checking that out, binge watching. It's, it's actually pretty good. You know, a lot, 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 lot of stupid, stupid people on there to be expected, but you know, it, it, it's pretty good, man. Um, I, I, I kind of dig it, so I'm still kind of trying to catch up and everything. But uh, you know, that's that's about it, man. Just kind of, kind of around the house, just doing that, doing some reading, watching a little TV. Um, real quick, I want to go ahead and do my uh, go ahead and get it done. Out week. Uh, you know what, man? I, you know, I'm going to go with Juel Santana, man. Back like crack. Um, I don't know why. I don't really have a good reason why. But, you know, there was one track, and I don't know if it was on this one that he did or if it was uh, uh, the second one that he put out where he, he actually preached out over one of uh, uh, Scarface's tracks, man, or he did a track over Scarface's track, but... Yeah, man, Joel, man, he, he was kind of that dude back in the day, man. So Joel, back like a crack, man, it was a mixtape that he put out. He had a little series going on. So that's what I got for you guys this week. And um, that being said, let's go ahead and uh, get into the sports, man. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Phone number to call in, area code 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. 
Man, let's start here. Um, just finished up week three of the NFL preseason. Uh, as I mentioned in the top, uh, that's pretty much week three is pretty much the dress rehearsal. Um, week four, you really don't see a lot of starters playing. I mean, obviously for fear of injury. Um, you know, I always I think week four is just a wash, really, because most teams by that time have decided who they're going to keep and who they're going to cut. The rest of the guys are just kind of like camp bodies at this point. Um, but uh, I guess well, let's start there, man. And I'll start first with you, FIFO. Um, what team or teams have stood out to you through three weeks of the preseason? I mean, I, I think we kind of got an idea as to how some of these teams are going to be, not necessarily record-wise, but you, you get an idea as to who's good and who may not be as good as they think they are or who may be a little bit better than we thought. Um, so what, what team or teams have stood out to you through the first three weeks of preseason? Um, I'll, I'll start with the Redskins. Um, they, okay. They they they, st- they stood out not for a good reason. Um, you know they haven't really been able to get in sync offensively. You know Deshaun Jackson has been very limited. Um, RG three, I, I think he's probably the most awkward slider in the NFL. You know he slid and hurt himself. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. know how I don't know how that happened. Um, you know obviously there's still. They're still working out the kinks. You know, it's a brand-new offense. So they stood out because I really thought with all of the weapons, it might click just a little bit sooner. Um, I, th- I think we would have seen at least something to go on and be like, yo, okay, they can fix it. They still don't look right. And, that, and that's a problem. Um, another team that's kind of in the same boat to me is San Fran. And, you know, I, I'm kind of a, at least on dead-end sports, I'm the Kaepernick supporter. Um, you know, so it, to me, it's a little bit alarming of how they look. You know, they, they have the weapons, um, you know, just, just just like the Redskins. They have the weapons. You know, obviously, they've been in the last three NFC Championship games. So it's not like it's, it's something that's brand new. They have the same coaching staff. They have the same players, at least the same core. So for it to look as not cohesive as it is at this point. That, that that's a little concerning. I, I but I put my money on San Fran to turn it around before the Redskins do. And then I got one more team because I can't leave everybody on a sour or negative note. So okay. the Broncos. Hey man, he's yes. he uh, yo he he is Lucas Oil because that he's just well lubed and wherever he goes, that's just gonna be it. And it, it, it's so crazy just to watch somebody literally play Madden on the field. That's what he's doing. And, and, and I've never, you know, I've never been to a live NFL game before. And, and you know, there's a couple people that really? I Oh, man, we got to go. We got to catch a game this year, man. Yeah, man, I've never been. Not to NFL game. We have never been um, to a football game? Like, really? Uh, we got to do that. Yeah, that's what's going to hit the problem game this year. NFL game. I mean, like a like – you never, yeah, you never been to it. Yeah, that's surprising. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, nah. Dead End, you, dead end but, Sports. All right, so 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 everybody listening, especially you, if you live here in Atlanta, if you got connection with the Falcons, hit us up. Uh, four tickets for Dead End Sports. There you, you go, you, you know what it is? It, it's just that the NFL, to me, is so much better on TV. And I'm glad here in Atlanta we don't have a, you know, open stadium. It's a dome. So I'd be more apt, but it's just I feel like it's it's just better on TV. I get to see more closely. Uh, you know, I get to see. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm just in my mind, the NFL is better on TV. Hmm. Okay, interesting. You'll change your mind once you see it up close. <laughs> 
definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. What about you, B? Uh, who, who stood out to you thus far, uh, either positively or negatively, um, through three weeks of the preseason? Um, I think positively, I would say the Rams' defense, man. That, that's one thing I've noticed throughout the years. Uh, Jeff Fisher, no matter how bad or whatever offensive team he might have, them boys hitting on that defensive side. And I, and, yeah. and I knew when he when he became the Rams' uh, head coach, I was like, watch, just give him a, just give him a year or two. Them boys gonna be respected defensively. And and, and the Rams is a team you you don't want to see on the defensive side. And, and that's mm-hmm. one thing I've noticed throughout these few preseason games is that the Rams' defense is like, you know, I'm like, damn, Jeff Frisbee got them boys hitting just like how he had Tennessee hitting. Like even though Tennessee was probably awful offensively, but them boys were hitting you on the defense. You know what I'm saying? So that's one thing I've noticed. Um, another thing I noticed was, uh, yeah. The feedback off the ball. How bad RG3 looks, man. I mean, he just looks so dis- discombobulated out there. Dude, I don't, I, and it, I, it, he made a new offense because he. Okay, B, you you break breaking a hold of. Hold on a second, B. You you there? You still there? Okay, yeah. I'm okay, here. now I got I'm you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You breaking up yet. a little bit, but I, I got you. All right. So, um, was I breaking up people in Can Can y'all hear me? Okay. No, you were breaking up. You good now? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you good, good now? Okay, yeah. But um, yeah, just uh, yeah, RG three with this sliding, yeah. Oh God, he just looked awful. He just looked, he just looked bad, man. It was like I feel sorry for someone who drafted him on a fantasy squad. And then, um, <laughs> and then um, I'm trying to think, what, what else did I see? Eli Manning. I mean, Eli Manning just looks so terrible. How you look so bad in this preseason, man? Like. Dude is getting sacked left and right. He's throwing the ball quick, not letting his guys run his route. It's like, dude, Eli, what is wrong with you, man? Eli looks terrible. And then surprisingly, just for the couple games I saw, Mark Sanchez actually looked like he fits really well in yep, Kelly's uh, yep. offense. I was actually surprised to see how good uh, Mark Sanchez was looking, even though, granted, it's preseason still. You know, I'm not crazy about preseason. But, you know, it, it was. I was like, wow. It, it looked like Mark Sanchez was a different quarterback. I was, I was, I was surprised. So, those are some of the things that stood out to me just, just during this preseason, the first three weeks. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, Ken? Uh, three weeks in, man. What, what do you think? Who, who stood out thus far to you? Yeah, for me, man, um, uh, Michael Sam um, has really uh, kind of, a, I, won't, I won't say impressed me, but he's definitely made made some plays, man. Um, and, you know, in, in the preseason, I think he's had three sacks so far um, and then, like, five tackles. So he's proven that he can play at the NFL level. And um, and I think that that was really one of the things that people were judging him on. So uh, he, he survived the first round of cut uh, to get down to 74, 75, one or the other. And, um, and, uh, now, you know, I think it's just a matter of surviving all the way past Saturday with Captain Sandy <laughs> off down even further. But I, I gotta say, man, he, he's, he's looked, he's looked pretty good, man. Um, he, he's out there making plays. And I think that, that's the, that you want, um, on your NFL football team, especially if you're looking at value by, uh, by position, draft position and where they got him. So, uh, just to kind of piggyback on what, what B was saying earlier about St. Louis defense, I, I think he fit. He will fit well within what they will ultimately end up trying to do throughout the year, and they have a versatile guy that they can bring in 
off the bench in in spot situations to help them out. So uh, it, I'm curious to see how, if he survives and make it. I, I gotta say that I am rooting for him mainly because you know he's he's, he's not out there um, just running around just happy to be there. He's out there really really trying to make the team and he's really making plays. And you know it's not against you know the the, the first string, but the fact is he's making plays and he's making a name for himself. So, uh, so uh, shout out to him. Um, who else? Yeah, RG three. Uh, you know, he, he looks terrible. Um, uh, there, there was another one that I had that I thought was uh, was a little bit surprising. Do do do. Uh, let's see. Uh, man, you know what? Um, I'm glad people brought up Kaepernick, so I won't even <coughs> jump him. Uh, that much. I, I, I think he just finally got his first touchdown. Um, Teddy Bridgewater looked really, really good, man. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I understand the decision to go with a starter and a guy that has, I mean, go with someone that has, that has experience. It makes sense to me, and, and I'm, I won't knock the move. Um, but I think at some point, Bridgewater will be out there and to sit and learn. Four year will will only just help him, you know, to sit back there and learn behind Castle and to be even more prepared next year when they prepare to give him give him the reins. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if he started sooner or at some point. Castle stinks up the point, and we all know that he can at some point end up doing that. Uh, one of the most you guys are going to be surprised by this. I got to say, Baltimore man, um, Baltimore okay. has has they. They look good, man. One of the things, and, and, you know, Flacco has looked deficient. You know, I know I gave him a hard time, but, you know, he, he has. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but he, he he's looked deficient out there, and, and he's not making many mistakes. So he looks like he's in tune with the offense. And I think uh, he, he may be disappointed by what happened last year. But I, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm really – Surprised by how well they're playing, and and Flacco, um, Flacco, I and mean, Flacco is not, you know he's not a bad quarterback. You know I just always felt that he was he was overrated. Um, but the guy can play the position. You know he has a hell of an arm. It's not like he's he's trash out there. But mm-hmm. they 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 look good, man. They they look good. So I got to give a uh, give credit where credit is due. And EJ Manuel, it, this yeah. is so disappointing because I I. I have I had high hopes for him. Obviously, he's a brother, and I want the brothers to do well. But he, man, I I, I don't know, man. I don't think I don't think he got it. I, I really don't. And I, you got Sammy Watkins, um, you got C.J. Spiller. You know, I, I don't know who's opposite Sammy Watkins, but you know, you should have enough to get something done. But he just looks just horrible out there, and and you know, it's just. I, I I don't know, man. I, I I hope he again. I think he's learning on the job, but I think he would have mm-hmm. benefited from sitting a little bit more instead of being tossed out there the way he was. Not everybody's Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck or Archie right. in three's first year. Some of these guys do need time to sit and develop, like the Geno Smith. You know, he needed time to sit and develop behind somebody. Um, so uh, him, Clowney, Clowney has been in beast mode. You know, he, he's definitely been impressive. He's definitely supported him being the number one draft pick. 
draft pick. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna. I expect a lot of plays from him. And um, and that's it, man. Oh yeah, B, B. Yeah, Sanchez, man. I, I think Sanchez was looking out a lot because of Rex Ryan and the offense that they tried to run. You mm-hmm. know, and I remember the first when they were really competing and going against New England. You know, there were times when when New England, the Jets would try to run these overly complex plays, man, that they just didn't have any need to even run. So I you Ken, I, I don't think that the Jets try to run any overly complex plays. I just don't think they had talent. Name me, outside of Mark Sanchez, name me one offensive talent that they drafted. Oh, no. I, 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 that's a good question. They, they didn't have... Yeah, they didn't have any offense. Because all their solid picks were on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. So, but but if you don't have the talent, why run? To, okay, so maybe the plays were not complex. Maybe the talent just made them look a bit more complex because they didn't look like they knew what they were doing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or they didn't run those plays crisp. But um, but I, I believe in Sanchez, man. I, I like Sanchez, and I hope he, he gets the shot. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen in New York, but if St. Louis, go get him. He might can do some stuff up there. I don't know. He might. You know, and, and, I, and I also wanted to talk about the one thing you were talking about, how the quarterbacks look bad at EJ Manuel and sitting quarterbacks or letting them play early. I think that the way that college and high school and everything is now, I don't think that quarterbacks really need that much time to develop. You know what I'm saying? Because way back in the day, you know, we're talking like, uh, early to, to, to mid-90s and 80s and 70s, there was a very big difference between high school, <clears throat> even Pop Warner, high school, college, and the NFL. And now we're seeing it in basketball as well, where these guys are, are more ready to perform at a pro level. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to come in and be Andrew Loka, Peyton Manning, and just have, you know, obviously pitfalls, but, you know, a lot of huge success um, at the beginning. But I feel like an EJ Manuel, his issues are he needs to play. He needs to learn how to manipulate defenses, step up in the pocket, um, play, play. You know, because because at the end of the day, in, 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 in the NFL, that pocket is going to get squeezed, and you're going to have to step up around people and can, and make that throw and look beyond the hit. You just have to know you're going to get hit, and, and that's not something you can practice. Because that's live action. In practice, you got the red jersey on. You're not getting it like that. You can't right. practice that. You see what I'm saying? So, so for me, it's a lot of timing. And at the same time, they need on-the-job on the training. So EJ Manuel and some of these offenses like, like San Fran, I think that we'll see them get their rhythm. You know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll see them get their rhythm. And one more positive uh, Seattle looks like they want to return to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Boy, don't, don't, man. <laughs> yeah, you you just took my thunder, man. I, I, that was my my pick. Seattle looks scary. I mean, and, and I know it's and I, I try to preface everything I say in saying that it's the preseason, man. But Seattle looks. I mean, the the Super Bowl was February second or something like that. Seattle looks like 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 they really haven't missed a beat since February. I mean, it, it's just it's kind of scary. Green Bay has looked very well too, very good too. Um, they've been playing very well, um, and I think uh, you know Aaron Rodgers. You know, having everybody healthy, he has a, he always puts that chip on his shoulder. Uh, I, I look for Green Bay to do big things too. Um, but yeah, Seattle, whoo, man, if they can keep it going, you, you never know. Uh, and it's hard to repeat in the NFL, but. Um, 
you know, especially if San Francisco gets off to a slow start. And then, you know, obviously the Rams were expected to be, you know, in the mix, but without uh, without their quarterback, Sam Bradford, who got hurt towards a same ACL he tore last year, it's going to be tough for them to even be competitive on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Again, 646 646-478-0356. This is Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Join by my boys. B, Cannon FIFO, hit us up, 646-478-0356. The next question I have for you guys, there was a couple of uh, starters that were named this past week uh, over in Cleveland. Uh, Brian Hoyer was named the starter over Money Manziel. Uh, Geno Smith beat out Michael Vick in New York. And uh, Matt Castle, he won the job over Teddy Bridgewater in a very close competition for the quarterback duties in Minnesota. Uh, Ken, I'll start with you, man. How long <laughs> do you think each of these guys will keep their jobs? Do you think they'll keep it throughout the season? Or, you know, the first time they mess up, they get yanked? Or, uh, how, long, how long do you think Hoyer, uh, Castle, and, uh, and Smith will stick around? The person on the shortest shortest string, of course, is Hoyer, man. Um, right. You know, I think the organization, they, they want to put Manziel out there. They know Manziel is money. And for a team that's not really expected to win much this year, uh, they, they need to they need to try to get something out of this, you know, out of this season. Even if it is just a <laughs> You know, and I, I think Hoyer was the, the correct pick. Um, Manziel has a lot of lot of growing up to do. Still, he's still young. He's going to make mistakes. You know, I don't know if I need to say that, but I will just for <laughs> people out there that want to go ahead and, and, and be quick to point that out. I mean, we do use a lot of common sense on this show, but anyway. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think it was the it was the correct speed, and I, you know, Manziel has to still kind of sort of adjust to the the speed of the NFL and. I, the only thing I've really expected from Manziel this year after seeing him play in the first three games was if they're open, he's going to hit them. And if they're not open, he's going to run. And sometimes he would get away, and other times he won't because he, he's just not as fast in the NFL as he was in college. These 300-pound defensive linemen will run you down. It's just that simple. When, mm-hmm. when Vic when Vic played, man, Vic was the fastest guy on the field. Right. Period. He was the Still fastest guy. <laughs> other than some other guy who was faster than him, I believe. I don't know his name, but uh, Vic was the fastest guy. Period. You were not catching Vic. You can catch Manziel. It, you know, it, it, that's just all to it. And his elusiveness, his speed, his, which is one of his weapons, just it, it, it doesn't. It's not. That much of an advantage in the NFL, especially week over week when teams begin to scheme for you. But that being said, Warrior has to play and perform like the guy that played well last year when he won, when he, you know, took over and, and played for three games. Plus, he has the experience, and you know, it's his job to lose. So now, all of a sudden, if he stinks up the joint, hey, you know what? We didn't give the job to Manziel. You did. Matt Castle is is a guy that I expect to see uh, starting for the rest of the year, unless he's just absolutely terrible. I don't think that that's going to be the case. He has Peterson. He has Cordell Patterson. 
uh, on one side, and I forget, I don't know who's on the other side, but I think he'll play well enough to keep the job. Like you said, it was a really, really close competition, but he's been playing in the NFL far longer than Bridgewater. So there are certain things, there are certain defensive schemes, there are certain situations that he has the experience uh, in, in, in being in that, that Bridgewater doesn't. Bridgewater could win games, probably win just as many games as Castle, just based off of pure talent alone. But I think the experience, along with what Castle is able to do as a passer, will will allow him to stay in that role, barring injury, for pretty much the majority of the season. Unless they're off, they're out of the race, and then I think they will probably give Bridgewater a couple of reps. Uh, the the tricky one though is is Geno Smith and Mike Dick because mm-hmm. we all may have heard the reports about Mike Dick not really trying to compete for the job, you know, and um, and I don't know how much truth there is to that, but what I do know is that based on what I saw from Geno Smith half half a season. I don't know how much Gino has learned this year, um, based on what um, based on what he's you know what he did last year. I, I think he's hit or miss. I think he mm-hmm. can he'll, he'll have good games, he'll have bad games, but you know if he can remain consistent enough, he'll stay in there, or if he can stay healthy. But I, right. I think that was awesome, man. I mean, you can you can put Vic out there, but I, I'll be honest, I, I don't know if it's going to be that much better. You know, uh, if you do put Vic out there, because Vic's gonna look to throw, and there's nothing that he's gonna try to run, and um, and he's slowing down. <laughs> he's just catching up to him. But mm-hmm. um, but you know, uh, yeah, I, I think Hoyer will be the first to go, then Smith, and then Castle. That's the rankings that I have as far as the starters that that you gave us. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, FIFO? Um, Castle, uh, Hoyer, Smith, man, who 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 keeps their job the longest? You know what, man? This, this is why I like that in sports because, like, can be wrong, man. I just be having to like know. correct them. All right, I agree. I, I I agree that Hoyer has the shortest lease by far, um, and and. Eventually, it, it's going to be Johnny's team. Everybody knows. We're just waiting for the mm-hmm. day. And I think that they did make the right decision going with Hoyer because Manziel still doesn't know the terminology. He's, he's still – obviously, he's going to be immature. We knew this. Uh, like, did, did we think that just when you're removed from college is going to make him this super mature guy? No. I don't think Manziel is ever going to, you know, have the maturity of a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or any of the greats, at least not early on. Maybe later down the road, but we've seen a lot of road quarterbacks just be that way because that's just their personality. That's not really going to change. Um, so I, I, I don't know if he'll ever, you know, just on a personal level, be as mature as, you know, some of these other great quarterbacks. But I, but I think that Manziel does have speed. Is just how you utilize speed in the NFL. And in college, he was able, you're right, he was able to run away from D linemen, linebackers, and break for 30, 40 yard runs, just like Russell Wilson was. If you go back and watch Russell Wilson in Wisconsin, Russell Wilson was breaking long touchdown runs. But in the NFL, just like an Aaron Rodgers, just like a Russell Wilson, when you don't have that elite getaway speed, you can still use that quickness and that speed to get first downs. And I think that's the thing that Johnny has to 
start implementing at some point. But I think that the first key for Johnny's success is that he has to understand the playbook. He has to understand the terminology. And once that happens, it'll slow down. And then I think he'll be able to pick and choose his spots, where to run, where to get out of bounds. Because you're right. He's not going to turn the corner in the NFL, you know, often. He's just not. He, he just doesn't. He's not that type of athlete. So I agree there. In terms of the other two, I think Castle and Gino are both in the same situation. Meaning, it, meaning if the team is winning and they're good, or, or not good, at least par, on par, they're not costing the team games, they don't have a whole bunch of turnovers, they're not throwing red zone interceptions, Castle right. and Gino are probably going to be the starter for the whole season. Now, if and I think this is more in the Vikings' case. Even if Castle is all right, but that team starts to lose, you're going to put in Bridgewater. Why? Because he is the, one of the top three uh, quarterbacks chosen in this draft. And you have to know what you got going moving forward. With Vic, Vic is not the future of anything. Vic, at mm-hmm. this point in his career, he's a stopgap. So even if Geno is playing good, but the Jets are losing – I don't think Vic, unless they're really close to the playoffs and Geno just doesn't have that spark, Mike Vic can get you that spark. Yeah, but yeah. I, you know, but 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 I, I think I think Castle. I, I'm sorry. I think Geno is in the best position out of these three quarterbacks to to have his role as a starting quarterback throughout the season. Really. Mm-hmm. You also have to look at it like this, right? They just got Chris Johnson as a running back. So now right. they have a viable uh, uh, threat on the ground. They got Eric Decker. I don't love him, but he is better than pretty much anybody He's that had at wide receiver. Exactly. Um, and then you have that defense. <laughs> so as long as Geno is able to turn – get third down conversions, get in a position to be third and short and not have turnovers, and that defense can do what they do, he is the most poised because the backup is realistically, at this point in his career, he's only a spark plug. He's not the future. So Gino's the future. So he doesn't have to worry about a guy that they just brought in that they're thinking two, three, four years down the line because he's that guy. Castle, we know he's a stopgap. Castle's a stopgap. Hoyer is a stopgap. Geno's the future. And those other two stopgaps have the future right behind them. So they're both on borrowed time. Geno's not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I don't even know if they believe in Geno Smith. You know, so I, I agree. If anything, if, if anything, people, he may keep his starting role just so they'll know whether or not they need to go get a quarterback next year. Next year, right. So they'll probably <clears> – <throat> chance to, to prove, you know, to, to, I mean, I don't want to say, hell, look, I, you I know what? Look, you know me, I'll, I'm always rooting for the brothers, man. I, I felt like people were really hard on the guy last year because he was a rookie and I don't know what they expected. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but I don't know if they believe in him yet. But you know what, Ken? Look, here, here, here's the problem. I already alluded to it with the Jets. Name one offensive player outside of Mark Sanchez that was a viable offensive player in this league. So, first of all, Rex Ryan, we all know he's a one-sided football guy, right? The GM 
and the offensive coordinator. Do you know the offensive coordinator that Geno Smith played for? Tony Sperano. He, he, look, look, all I'm saying is this. I don't think Geno has gotten a fair shake. Two years, realistically, is not enough. And, and he really hasn't had an offensive system put in place or weapons to really gauge how good of a quarterback he is. And let's be honest. In the whole NFL, there's only five elite quarterbacks. And we're talking about the planet. You see what I'm saying? There's only five elite quarterbacks. So every other quarterback needs weapons. They just don't have it. They haven't been able to develop it. They haven't been able to draft it. So it, I don't think it's all Geno. I don't think it's all Geno. I, you know, I think it would be a shame for them to just go draft another quarterback in the first round. You know what you need? You need to go get a wide receiver in the first round. You need to go get you some old line. Like, you need to develop that side of the ball before you just throw Geno to the dumpster. That's just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not right. It's not fair. And, and, and I don't think that you could truly evaluate what Geno can be in the league unless you get him some viable weapons. And I, and I, I totally agree. I think that they will. I think that they will. They'll look and say, hey, we got you, Decker. We got you, Watch. Chris Johnson. Yeah, look, because they, look, they were doing it last year. You know, they kept rotating him in and out. It, it's Ken, not his fault. It's just like no. it wasn't all of Sanchez's fault. No, I mean, I'm not going to get the, the credit and the blame. I mean, that's just the nature of the business. Of course. Of course. And I understand that. But at the same time, we, we know, look, in professional sports, you have to develop young players. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they come cheaper. And, and when you're talking about going out and getting all of these free agents, now you're eating up cap space. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying don't go, don't go get you a free agent wide receiver. I'm saying go get you that. But what they paid for Decker, you know what I'm saying? I guess I guess maybe he was the best option out there. But right. if you get a Decker, where is your young wide receiver that you are grooming to either be a number one or a number two? Or, or where are the other weapons? And that's the problem. I'm not saying don't go out there and get free agent talent because you need that as well. But you need a balance. We know this in professional sports. You at any at any level. You need some players with experience, and you need some players with raw talent. Because them guys with experience are going to teach them guys with raw talent how you do this job every day, day in, day out. And to me, when I look at that Jets roster, they have it on defense. I never question Rex Ryan on the defensive side of the ball. This guy's a genius. His defenses are always in the top half of the league, regardless of injury, no Darrell Reeves. They still do what they do. I'm not questioning that aspect. But on that offensive side of the ball, They've been putrid. Let's be honest. And we see yeah, that Mark Sanchez, Mark Sanchez coming out of high school was number one and number two. Coming out of college, he was the second quarterback taken. So the guy has talent. But, again, there's only five elite quarterbacks in the NFL. So if you're not elite, then you need weapons. And nobody in the Jets organization has had weapons as a quarterback. No doubt, no doubt. Let me um, let me, let me throw it over to B. B, uh... How long these guys you think will keep their jobs, man? Uh, I was about to say Sanchez, Smith, uh, Castle, and Hoyer. Um, of course, yeah, Hoyer is of course the elephant in the room because you you starting off with at Pittsburgh, then you playing New Orleans, then you playing Baltimore. So before your bye week, 
So I, I give right. <laughs> I give Hoyer I give Hoyer uh, three weeks after that bye week uh, they will be playing uh, Johnny football. I, I said the um, same thing, B. <laughs> yep, said, just just based off that schedule alone, I'm like, ooh, ouch, that that's gonna hurt them. So uh, Hoyer they they gonna be zero three going into bye week, and then they gonna everybody gonna be cheering for Johnny, Johnny, or whatever, and he's gonna play he's gonna play week five against Tennessee. I think that's when they're gonna throw him out there. Um, I think I believe. Castle, I'm, I'm in agreement with people already. I think Castle, it depends on how the Vikings lose these um, these games. I think it's the, they let because Bridgewater's been looking so good in the, in the pre in the preseason. So you know, at one point they were thinking about you know him being the starter, but they ended up getting mm-hmm. Castle. So all it takes for Castle to, to like really play bad or cost them some games, I think they throw Teddy Bridgewater out there out to the woods. And I think you know, yeah, because I mean. Look at Michael Vick's confidence. He don't even feel like he got confidence anymore. And it's like, why would you? I think Geno, yeah, Geno Smith is the safest. I think he will end up quarterbacking this whole season just because Michael Vick doesn't. Even, he don't even seem confident no more. Just in the interviews, it's just him talking. I don't know if he's just not confident in his ability or is he just not confident in you know learning the offense. But you know what I think, think is, right he, I, and, I, and I think yeah. it's, and I, I don't. I, I haven't seen a lot of Vic play. I've only seen the highlights from what I've seen, and I looked at his numbers. His numbers look uh-huh. very good, as, and, and he, what he's talking about has, has been good. I think what he's trying to, at least what it seems to me, like he's trying to be politically correct. He really thinks mm-hmm. in his heart that he can he can beat out uh, Geno Smith, but he knows he's not there for that. He he was there to push mm-hmm. Geno. So if Geno's game stepped up, then everything, it works out for the Jets. Um, but he knows that he he doesn't have that much longer in the league. He got to keep the mm-hmm. checks coming. <laughs> you know, he got to pay those creditors off with that bankruptcy and everything. So he, I think Mike Vick is just trying to play his role. I really think, like, mm-hmm. I think he's still got the, the the swag and the arrogance when he gets on the field. But I think he's just not trying to make any any any. He not, he's not trying to ruffle any feathers. He's not trying to make any waves. I just think he's just trying to play it cool because he's saying all the right things. He knows in his heart of hearts he's better than Geno yeah. Smith. And you know what, Kyle? I think the other thing, too, I think when he sat down with the Jets, I think they kind of told him, like, look, you know, we want to give you know the opportunity. Because we all know Mike Vick, he's still better than half of the – he's better than Hoyer. He's better than Matt Castle. You know what I'm saying? He's better than a lot of quarterbacks in his league. It's just that I think that he felt like if I go to the Jets, I know the situation. Let's push Geno. You know what I'm saying? Let me push Gino. Let's make this. You know, the narrative was, oh, it's a, it's a quarterback competition. We're not going to name a starter. But he knew they're going to name Gino the starter. And he even said it. He said, Gino deserves to be the starter because he was a high draft pick. One year is not enough. He knew that coming in. So I think he just mm-hmm. knows the situation, just kind of like how he did in Philly. And he's like, yo, you put me on this field, you're not going to take me off. And I, and I think he knows that. And, and I agree 100% with you, Kyle. I, I think he has that. You put him on that field, he's going to look like he's a top five quarterback in his league. Most mm-hmm. of exactly. Exactly. Phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. You are locked in live to Dead End Sports, the place where sports opinions collide. I'm your host, 12 Kyle, joined by my partners, Beasy, Ken, FIFO. Hit us up. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Next, man, we want to <laughs> want to talk a little fantasy football. Uh, if, if if you followed this show and been with and were with us last year, 
Uh, we actually did a little segment of fantasy football. Um, I actually sat out of fantasy football last year. I just had to take a break, you know, a little hiatus, kind of recharge the batteries. Um, but what we did was we came up with the idea to create a fantasy football league for dead-end sports. And I think we may do another one because there's so many people asking for it. Um, I think there may be another, so stay tuned for that. But we had our uh, our first annual dead-end sports fantasy football draft, the first of many. Um, we had it this past Sunday. Uh, Fort Field uh, event, we had a good time. Um, so the question I want to throw out to you guys, obviously, uh, when you're drafting, you know, your first players, you know, a lot of times your first, at least your first two or three players are very key. Um, but who is who is the player that you drafted first? And overall, man, how does your team look? Now, I want to let you all know um, that who are listening that because we're in this league and because we're friends and because we are very competitive, it's going to be a lot of trash talking. <laughs> week to week, we're going to talk about our fantasy team. It won't dominate the show, I promise you. But even if we only spend five minutes talking about it, it's going to be a lot of trash talking. And so, bear with us. If you're in the league, we we suggest you to call in because if you don't call in and you get blown out in the league, we'll probably call you out on the air. So, just just a little heads up. So I'll, I'll start first with you, FIFO man. Who, who was the first place? First player that you took in your draft, and uh, how did you, how does your draft look thus far, man? How does your team look? Man, unfortunately, I had the the, the curse of picking first overall. Um, any other type of draft, it would be you know you would want the first pick, but in mm-hmm. fantasy, I, I I don't like having the first pick. But that means I can pick anybody I wanted. So I I chose Jamal Charles with my first pick, uh, okay. mainly because we know running backs are scarce and. I'm one that I'm like take a quarterback first, mainly because there's really only like three or four running backs that should be drafted over a quarterback, and realistically, it's only ah I, I, I wanted to get maybe a Payne or a Drew Brees, but me knowing that I'm not going to pick again so so late, I already know all the running backs are going to be gone, so I had to get one, and the guy I got was Jamal Charles. After that, I had to go get my quarterback wide receiver. Um, I believe, and I, I know I took Andrew Luck, and I think I took off another uh, running back, actually, with um, – who did I take? I don't know, but I know my second pick was definitely Andrew Luck. Um, you know, this is his third year in the league. The guy has been money since day one, and I think <laughs> that he's going to take another leap this year because his wide receiving core is probably the best that he has had since he's been in the league. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I drafted him as well. I drafted Reggie Wayne, um, you know, and he has a keen mix. So I, I definitely think that they're going to throw the ball a little bit more this year than they did last year. And and I definitely think uh, – we already know, if Reggie Wayne is healthy, he's going to get you close to 100 receptions, close to double-digit touchdowns, and over 1,000 yards. That's just a typical Reggie Wayne season. And T.Y. Hilton's on the up and up, and he's a burner. So, you know, he's going he's gonna to be the explosive guy. Maybe not as many receptions for touchdowns and yards. So I'm just counting on that. I'm counting on the progression of um, Andrew Luck. Uh, I, I got Reggie Bush. So, like, a lot of my team is very explosive. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for yards and touchdowns. Okay, okay, okay. What about you, B? Uh, your first pick, man, and, and, and how does your team look? Man, I was freaking shocked that Drew Brees came all the way down to me at 12. I had the 12 pick. The 12, 12, yeah, I, I was 12 surprised, too. Early. And um, 
and I, it, I, it was coming it was coming to me, and I'm like, oh, my God, don't tell me I'm about to hit him with Drew Brees. And, you know, the guy right before me picked Jimmy Graham because I, I that's what I was going to do. We're going to uh, get Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham with my first two picks, which I, I ended up, you know, picking A.J. Green. I picked Drew Brees and then A.J. Green. Um, and then I can't remember after that. But I, my only thing I hate about my squad is my running backs, man. My running backs fall. My running backs are sorry. But I also just traded the guy that um, – that had got Jimmy Graham, and now I got uh, Breeze and Jimmy Graham. I traded. I gave him uh, Jordan Cameron because he was hurting at wide receivers, and I gave him. I traded him Jordan Cameron, AJ Green, and I got Jimmy Graham and um, and uh, Torrey Smith because Torrey Smith's pretty much gonna be the number one guy in Baltimore. So right, right, right. Uh, that, that, that was that was that was my trade. So I'm about to, I'm about to hit y'all with Drew Breeze and, uh, J- and Jimmy Graham. Um, I got Andre Johnson. That's another. My receiving core, my receiving tight end and QB, that's where I'm going to be defending my pretty much everything on. I, I, I got Golden Tate as my flex guy because I, I think he's going to eat a lot just because of the attention drawn to, to uh, Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he might I think he might get some get some love this season. But I just don't like my running backs. Now, my running backs is Ryan Matthews, which, granted, if he's healthy, which yeah, I don't know healthy, he's good. Be, if healthy, he's good, yeah. Ryan, and he catch the ball too. He can, he can do reception yards as well. So Ryan Matthews is good. I'm really rolling the dice for him. Stephen Ridley, I mean, I I, sh- I should have smacked myself on the head for even getting a, a New England Patriots running back because they they gonna be <laughs> running back by, they gonna they're gonna be running back by committee. So you know, it was just I, I, I waited so late to get running back. So it was it was I, I shouldn't have did that, but because running backs are very 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 thin. Like after like after that first round, really, you kind of just really rolling the dice, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like my I don't like my running back core. I mean, my bench I got I got Aaron Decker, which I got laid around. I'm, I'm, I was surprised he was still sitting there. I got Chris Ivory because it uh, I, you know it's just a little weird thing. Is if Chris Johnson gonna do what he do? Chris, Chris Ivory he's gonna get a lot of them goal line touches, so he might he might be a good guy to come up off, you know have off the bench. Um, I got No. Sean Marino um, off the bench, and I got um, Andrew Hawkins, which I think if Josh Gordon don't play, Andrew Hawkins is gonna be the go to guy over there at Cleveland. As far as the receiving core, and I got Heath Miller as my backup tight end, and my my, my dark horse, I think we might end up being in my starting lineup. Mike Williams for Buffalo. Okay. Uh, he, was, he was he was he was he was he was the number two guy over the camp with him and Vincent Jackson was, was sharing sharing a lot of yards. But I think him being the main guy over at Buffalo, if, if if EJ Emmanuel get his mind right, I think Mike Williams will have a good year. I think he will. Okay. Okay. Next, let me throw it over to my man who who claims to be the fantasy king, my man Ken. Ken, uh, who who is your first pick, and uh, you know how, how does your team look? Well, first of all, well, let me guess, it was Andy Dalton, right? I'm sorry, go ahead, Ken. I had to get that in there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, you know what? If I would have known to answer your guys' question from Twitter, I didn't know Andy Dalton was a top five court, uh, fantasy player last year. Until you I tweeted it today so to us, I had no idea. So that was that was news to me. But um, but anyway, um, yeah, man, you know what? It, I was outside grilling. Uh, I had through some some ribs on the grill, so I just happened to come back inside and pick up my phone. And it was like three minutes till, till 11, and I saw you guys texting. So I set up mm-hmm. for the draft. I totally forgot. So I set up for the draft and saw that I was drafting, I think, fourth. And I was like, man, this is terrible. So I didn't really get a chance to prepare for the draft the way I wanted to, to kind of, you know, kind of evaluate where I'm picking and who could likely fall to me or whatnot. So uh, that first pick, man, I just I just went with uh, what's best 
And uh, and I took LaShawn McCoy, man, uh, mainly because the guy before me drafted Peyton Manning. And um, so I was like, oh, that was you, Kyle. Shit. So you took Peyton Manning. And, yes, sir. Uh, and I just, so I went ahead and took McCoy. So I so I was surprised that Peyton Manning third, um, because normally he wouldn't go, go that high. But, you know, uh, but anyway, so especially considering the, the running back situation in tennis football. So, nevertheless, so I was cool. Fine, I'll take McCoy because I'll get me a QB. You know, I, I may not get 50-something touchdowns, but, hey, I'll get at least 30 or more. So, anyway, so I took LaShawn McCoy, bam, straight at running back. Then I got Giovanni Bernard, who people are predicting big things from him. He catch, he run. So, we'll see what's yeah. up with that. Yeah, Gio's a beast. I like that little dude. Yeah, I'm not not too too high on him, but you know, cause I, I you know I, I don't know, man. I, it's just something about him. But you know, just based on what people are talking about, I went ahead and, and drafted him because he was really kind of one of the best on the board that's left. And he if if he balls out, nobody's seeing me at the running back position. Um, but yeah, man. And then you know, again, uh, I think the talent was was starting to kind of dis- dissipate a little bit. Um, in terms of looking at what's on the board, uh, what position I needed to fill. So I'm looking at wide receiver, I'm looking at quarterback, and I'm looking at running back. So I took Alfred Morris, man. So I, I, got, I got some monsters, man, in, in, in my starting lineup when it comes to running the ball. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, man, it was just basically filling, filling the team. And, you know, B, B, B can attest to this, man. I'm always reaching, so I'll always have a reach. And Cordell Patterson is my reach. Yeah. Yep. That dude yeah. falls that out. damn reach. It's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> if you look at what he did in the second, I shouldn't be telling you guys this, but if you look at what he did in the second half of the season, man, the dude was killing oh, yeah. it, man. He, he was so, He was wrong. So, yeah, man. So then I went uh, Roddy White, Matt Ryan, you know, wide, wide out quarterback combo, uh, mainly because Roddy White was one of the best on the board that was left. Um, so I went ahead and got him, and uh, and you know I, I almost picked up Nick Foles, but I, I don't trust Nick Foles. Um, so I went with somebody I, that I've seen do it, and I've seen do it without his top talent last year in Matt Bryan. So because he was able to put points on the board and throw touchdowns with Dal Julio and Roddy White and all these pieces, hey man, let, let's go. Let, let's get your pieces back. Let's go to work. Um, and then from there, man, I think uh, Pitta was my tight end because the tight ends were gone. So, but Flacco loves Pitta. So, he, he's going to see some work, especially in the red zone. That's one of his favorite targets. Uh, then I got Zach Ertz. Uh, um, Terrence Williams, another reach, but he started out with this. <laughs> it and is. I, look, he, man, CCCCB, he, he laughing, man, because he don't know. I don't know, man. You'll see see. see second week. The second week when you get smashed, you'll be like, dang, man, Ken was right. And you know what? We're going to have the show to prove it. Uh, But anyway, uh, Cecil Shorts, uh, great when healthy. Uh, Bortles should help elevate him some more. And, you know, the rest is just filler. But I tell you, though, depending on what happens, if Josh Gordon is only suspended for eight games, and I get Josh Gordon for the rest of the year, the title is mine. 
You know what, Ken? I'm, 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 I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I was questioning a lot of people you picking, <laughs> but when you when you grabbed Josh Gordon, you grabbed him, you picked right before me, and I was about to pick him, and because I, I, it was it was like the, either the last pick or the next to the last pick, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? If he gets eight games and you can still use him for four, he might be the dude to bring you to, to get you over the hump at the end of the season. So yeah. that was that was smart on your move on your on your behalf. Because I've, I've been doing this since, since the 90s, Kyle. I've been doing this, man. I don't, I don't have to prepare for drafts. I just draft. Look at this. Man, this is going to be fun. Listen to this. I've been doing this, man. So, man, Josh Gordon, man, people people laugh at me. Same thing like, you know, everybody's doing by Corderell Patterson or whatever, but that's cool. It's whatever. But I was right about Josh Gordon. And, I'm, man, if I'm right about Patterson, it's over. Josh Porter was the number one receiver last year, and he missed, what, four games or five or something like that? Still led the NFL. The dude's a beat. So, like you said, Kyle, if I get in for four, for four games, the, 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 the title's mine, man. Y'all ain't going to see me. I'm trying to go at least, I would say undefeated, but, you know, I, I think I might have to lose. Man, I play. I can't wait to play Ken in week three. Three. I play Ken in week three. I can't wait to play. Ken. And that's another thing too, ladies and gentlemen. We've already looked at the schedule. I think I me and B wait. play against each other week one. Uh, me yep. and Ken week two. So so, we're, so as we go Ken. along, we'll we'll kind of prep you guys uh, to let you I know who's playing who. Maybe you want to check out our <laughs> tweets on on Sundays as the games are going down. Because trust me, the tweets will be flying. Um, you know, it, it, and what will make it even even more interesting if you know if we're out somewhere recording or something like that, doing a show or something like that, that makes it even more it's more special and more funny when we're together and just really going at it fantasy football wise. Uh, I'm gonna keep it real quick, man. For me, uh, I, I drafted the machine, Peyton Manning, uh, at number three. I was surprised that he fell to three. To be honest, I thought he'd be the first player taken no. off the board. No, and, well, you know, yeah. I'm gonna tell you why because. With these new rules, and, and nobody has, I mean, me and some of my buddies you. have talked about it. These new rules yeah. really have, defensive rules have been kind of, and I don't want to say it's, it's a knee-jerk reaction to what happened in the Super Bowl, but, I mean, these new these new rules really favor fantasy football because it favors scoring. And, you know, the, a lot of people complained about the fact that Seattle's defense was mugging receivers down the field and everything like that, and, I mean, but but you know, I don't really necessarily equate that to Peyton Manning because uh, you know by that time, by the time he really got it, got his group going in the Super Bowl, they were already, the game was already decided. <laughs> that being said, it makes it that much easier for him. I, can he put up sixty touchdowns this year? I, I don't know if he'll necessarily do that, but they got, I mean, they got a tough schedule. They got a tough they got schedule. A tough schedule. Yeah. Um, Welker's down, and you don't know how long he's going to be out. If I'm Welk, I'm probably shutting it down and retiring, but that's another story for another day. I mean, all the best to him is whatever decision he makes. Uh, three concussions in ten months is not good at, at all. Um, <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, Peyton Manning, man, I, I took him third. I like my roster, man. Uh, real quick, I got, I got Peyton Manning. I got Brandon Marshall, who was in all of our top five receivers. Um, yeah, I think Ken did put him in his top five. So he was. So that was a guy from our video. You know, was in our top five. I got Antonio Brown, who's uh, Ben Roethlisberger's number one target, uh, and then Jason Witten. 
Jason Witten is a fantasy star. Everybody knows that if if Tony Romo's not throwing the ball to Des Bryant, it's going to Jason Witten. And on third downs and when he needs conversions, that's where he's going. Um, I also picked up the Seahawks defense. I think that was a steal for me because the C- I, and when I started thinking about it, I was like, nobody, I was like, I, I got to pick defense. And then when I went to go check the defenses, nobody had taken any defensive teams off the board. And I was like, you yo, yo let me get Seattle. Yeah. Because you drafted them early, that's why. I think you, you got well, the Seahawks like in what, the fifth round? No, I, t- I took them in like the seventh round. You did? But by the time I took them, nobody had made, made any, any picks. So you know, I, so I, that was just me. I, I felt I felt the need to grab him. I also grabbed Michael Crabtree, who I think is going to be, uh, you know, a very good outlet for Colin Kaepernick, obviously. Um, so yeah, man. That's that. In a nutshell, that's my team. Uh, I've got some other guys that I think can I, I can plug in here and there. Um, you know, never. And I'm always open to trades, but um, you know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely got enough to win it, man. And like I said, folks, <laughs> bear with us. Because it's going to be a it's lot it, of trash talking. It's, it's 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 like, I guess, I guess based on based on FIFA, I guess I got a good squad in him. Because every time I drafted a player, he kept complaining, "Man, B, you took my gun, man." You did, man. I'm like, I'm just doing me, baby. Hey, I'm just drafting. I got my players queued up. I'm ready. When they were sitting yeah, there, so, I'm getting. So. Be on the lookout for, like I said, be on the lookout for the tweets on Sunday. And, and we're definitely, even if we only spend five to ten minutes talking about it, we will recap the league. And what I also, what we'll also try to do is encourage, uh, you know, those who are, uh, who, those who are participating in our in our league to call in as well. You know, so they can get a little trash talking going too as well. Uh, the phone number to call in six four six four seven eight zero three five six again six. Four six four seven eight zero three five six. Also, um, also Kyle, hey, Kyle, go ahead, go ahead, shout out for, uh, people. The all defensive league is the draft is this Sunday, August thirty first right. at eleven at eleven thirty a.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time. So you know, I, I just want to do something a little different. So I think you know, people. I, I play in the league where I played defensive players before, and, and it really kind of shakes things up. So yeah, you can play defensive tackles, defensive ends, linebackers, cornerbacks, whatever. So. Just a little something different. I think something to try because I might I might add that in. I might add where you can play instead of picking defenses, play like defensive players also as well as the offensive players. It's just something I'm trying out. So and draft is this Sunday, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's right. We'll oh, we'll tweet it back out again. So make sure that you have if you're in church or, or you're not going to be there in front of your computer. Make sure that you get yourself together because you don't want to have a terrible draft because we will talk trash about you. Yes. <laughs> six four six. Four seven eight zero three five six. Um, next question I have for you guys, uh, man. The, the the little league team from Chicago, uh, Jackie Robinson West. Uh, they won the United States Championship over the weekend and unfortunately lost to Korea uh, on Sunday, eight to four. Um, FIFA, what were your thoughts? Of, I, I know you're from Chicago. What, what were your thoughts on that that team from um, from Chicago, man? Jackie Robinson West. Uh, all black team. Uh, they're for all the kids from the south side of Chicago. And and for those of you, I mean, you don't have to be a hip hop head or anything like that to know about how violent it is in the city of Chicago, particularly on the south side, uh, where you know lives are being lost every day. And as I'm pretty sure of all of those kids, everybody knows at least one person that's been killed, you know, in their young lives, unfortunately. Um, so, FIFO, man, what, what what was your take in, on on that team, man, and what they were able to to accomplish? Man, I thought it was amazing, uh, mainly for the sport of of baseball, not even for the city of Chicago, but the sport of baseball, because 
let's be honest. Blacks don't play baseball like they do basketball and football and other sports. So I thought that that was big. Um, and, and it is big for the city of Chicago as well, you know, um, to have an all-black team win, you know, nationally. And now they're going to play Korea. So so I think I think it's big. You know, I know baseball is making – they're trying to make an initiative to try to get um, – uh, to, to try to get more black players into the league. And, and obviously, it starts from kids. You know, it, it starts at the bottom, and then you have to, you know, it, it, it'll matriculate to, 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 to the pros. So I, I think that it was a great step. I think it's something that, 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 that was much needed to put us kind of like on a platform so people know, man, we can ball out here. You know, we can pretty much play any sport we, we want to. So, you know, I, I think it's good. And I think as long as the major, as long as MLB continues to um, invest into the minorities, right. I think that will continue to prosper in that sport. You know, um, kind of like w- when you look at soccer and its popularity and how it's growing and how major league soccer is investing into, you know, um, um, kids and, and, and younger players playing. You know, um, it, it's just good. It's good for the sport. Definitely, definitely, definitely. What about you, Ken? Um, Jackie Robinson West, man, what were your thoughts on that Little League team, man? Well, you know, we Chicago needed a good story. Um, mm-hmm. They needed something positive to come out. And, you know, for me, if these kids are playing sports, they, um, they're not on the streets. Or right. they're away from people that could pull them into the streets. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important, and I hope that their families – will be able to continue to um, support their desire to play, and I hope the kids themselves continue to want to play uh, Little League baseball. Uh, as a as a father with a son, I mean, I, I, I was an assistant coach and I coached, and the kids, they really do like at that age and growing up, they really do like playing baseball. Um, you know, something just happens, and, you know, I, you know what I think it is? when it comes to um, African-American children kind of falling out of love with baseball and not being able to play baseball, I mean, it's just one of those sports where, you know, it's much easier to walk into a court where there's a ball already there. You know, you don't have to go get mm-hmm. people to, to play or you don't have to walk around. You know, with baseball, you got to walk around, you got to find a field, you got to get a bat and some gloves and a ball. Like, there's a lot to do just to get a game going. You know, with basketball, you can just walk around the city. You know what I'm saying? Right. You can find somebody playing on the court, or you can just go out and shoot yourself. You know, and with baseball, you got what you got to throw the ball up, and you know, you know, it's it's a little bit more um, difficult to play that game as you continue to grow old because less and less people are playing it. Um, so that's one of the things, unless you're playing in you know in college or on some organized level. But um, but I, I thought it was great. It is again a good positive story for the city. And hopefully the kids that are playing continue on this path to be a productive citizen in the city of Chicago. And hopefully that, you know, they, they find, you know, something that's desirable, that they like, that they're good at, that that puts them on a path to, you know, playing this game on, on some type of level professionally. Or even if it's not professionally, it will allow them to pay for their way to, through college, you know, being able to get a scholarship and using that, you know, to further their education and, of course, 
again, go from there to contributing in society in, in a positive manner, man. So, so um, and, you know, of course, go on to have kids and raise their kids up to do the same thing. So now all of a sudden you're, you're looking at some changes that happen generationally. And, um, and it, it starts there, and it starts with winning. Because when you win, it does something to you. Yeah, all of the other kids, it's great that they're a part of the organization. I know that they have fun playing it. But the right. ones that win, they want to win again. So that hunger and that desire to win and feed, you know, you, you got to feed the beast. And mm-hmm. that will continue to, to motivate these kids to play over and over again. And hopefully they just continue to keep winning that. So I loved it. Exactly. Same here, same here. What about you, B? What was your take on the team from uh, Chicago? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was it was a really good look for Chicago and for the, the young black men playing the sport of baseball. And, you know, I, I think that's one thing. I think the reason why I think this baseball period is just lacking of, of young African-American men, boys playing, is just, I, it's kind of the, the lack of, of, of fathers. You know, we don't have a lot of, you know, fathers out there, you know, playing baseball, talking baseball with, with their sons or their stuff anymore. I remember, you know, just kind of growing up. That's how I got into baseball, you know, watching my okay. dad and, you know, playing, playing, you know, catch with him with, with the baseball glove. And I noticed when I played in baseball league, a lot of those kids had fathers. Some, you know, a couple of them probably didn't. If not, they had a, a particular male role model in their life. And I think in the city of Chicago, I don't think I don't know if there's enough of, of really positive black fathers in there to kind of really put baseball into their son's life. So maybe that could be one of the reasons why we don't see it. I still think it's a good look to see the black kids from Chicago playing it. I don't, is it going to start anything? I don't think so because Chicago is, a, is still a, it's going to be forever a basketball city. I mean, you, right. you, they, you, you have pretty much the most popular polarized basketball player ever to play in the city of Chicago on Michael Jordan. And it's it just it's what the kids know and see all the time. So I think it's not going to – it's a great look for the young kids to play it, but I don't think it's going to start anything where now we're going to see, you know, a whole bunch of black baseball teams and stuff going, you know, kid, young kids interested in playing baseball. I think basketball is still going to be that first love in the city of Chicago. So, but I still think it's a great look. And, you know, I just think if we get more fathers, you know, black fathers in these child's lives, maybe we will have more baseball, you know, being played by African Americans. That's just my opinion. That's just what I think. You, you know what? You, you made a good. You made a very good point. I'm gonna come back to it in just a quick second. Um, my take on it, man. I loved it. I I, I watched them play. Uh, I watched them play. I want to say at least four or five games. Um, four or five of their last games. Um, I love watching these little kids play, man. It, it kind of took me back. Um, I, I only played baseball for two years, and and I I think I tweeted it out that I was, you know. I, when I did play, I thought about, you know, what it would be like to play in the Little League World Series. So I think for kids their age and, 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 and you know, very inspirational, if, especially if you look at the landscape of what these last couple of weeks have been, you know, with the whole thing going down, down at uh, Mike Brown and Ferguson. Um, and just to see this is a good, heartwarming story. And these are good kids. From what I understand, they're very good students. When they're on camera, very charismatic, very well-spoken, very mild-mannered, um, all of them from top to bottom. And I think that was a good look, not just for Chicago. It's a very good look for Chicago, considering they're from the south side. Um, mm-hmm. But also just a good look for, for baseball because, you know, you had these major league baseball players that were tweeting out, and, they, you know, and they showed the, um, you know, they asked each kid, 
who their favorite baseball player was and they'd say it or what have you. And I think that was key too because I think what happens is is that, you know, when you look at a baseball game on TV, you see brown faces, but they're not necessarily African-American faces. So, you know, for someone who's not like, who's, who, may, who may not be black, you know, they may say, oh, well, yo, there's a lot of, there's, and don't get me wrong, we talked about this a few weeks ago, there's a lot of diversity in Major League Baseball, but black players have decreased, and they're still decreasing. So hopefully when you have little leagues like this, especially in the inner city, when kids continue to play, they'll, they'll once they start playing, they'll continue to play. Um, now, before we, we got a couple of calls in line, and we're going to jump to in a second, but I want to go back to what you just said, B. You said that you played. My question to you, and I'll give you my answer as well, when you played, when you stopped playing, what, what made you stop playing baseball? What made me stop playing baseball? Mm-hmm. I didn't have the love for it like I did for basketball. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, I that, mean, that, and and it's, and funny. It's, fun, it's funny. It's funny you say that because, my, I mean, even though I was, a, I was a hell of a good basketball player, but my dad always thought I was a better baseball player than basketball player. He always thought that. To this day, he still say that. Yeah, my dad said the same. He said he thought if I stuck with it, he that he, he yep. felt like I could have played yep. uh, baseball yep. better than football. Um, yep. For me, you know what, man? I I think the the and I think I was eleven and twelve, but I, I stopped seeing like my my buddies weren't playing baseball, and so when I went to the parks and everything like that, to go there were no kids. There weren't a lot of kids that looked like me. And I don't know if, if, if subconsciously is something I made a decision of, uh, you know. And, and to be honest, I don't. I mean, I was I was okay. I wasn't that good. I wasn't as good as I. I put it like this: I wasn't as good at baseball as I was at football. And football just that came really mean, natural that was a to mean me. Shortstopper. You know, I was so, mean at the shortstop. Oh yeah. So you know, yeah. so that was the thing. But um, and I think hopefully, as these kids progress, not just these kids in Chicago, but kids kids here in Atlanta, kids all across the country particularly black kids, as they progress, that they won't feel like that, that, hey, you know. And now if, if if another sport takes off, then you take off to that sport. But, you know, don't give up on your dreams if that's something that you want to do. Uh, 646-478-0356 is the number to call. Let's jump to the phone lines. Oh, let's go right here to 843. Looks like, uh, let me see if I can pull them up here. Hey, people, I thought you was about to say something. There we go. Uh, we'll, we'll jump back to FIFA in a second. Uh, look like I got my dad on the line. Dad, what's up, man? Hey, Kyle, how's it going? What's going on? Nothing much. I'm listening to your show. How are you guys? All right. Oh, doing right. well, doing well. Last week's show, uh, Beezy didn't talk enough. But let's get back to your uh, question. <laughs> In fact, it was kind of strange not seeing Beezy. Uh, uh, We're going to try to let him talk more. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about my opinion of you and baseball, Kyle, because it was the truth. Now, think about it. You only played baseball two years. You started playing football like when you were maybe seven. Eight. And uh, imagine if you had played baseball all those younger years, because you did things naturally. Fellas, I remember Kyle threw somebody out. He was playing center field. This kid tried to take an extra base. Perfect throw. Perfect throw. I mean, the kid was dead dead meat from, from the beginning. Kyle had some pop in his back. He wasn't big, but he had some pop in his back. He was, you know... He pulled one out, 
I'm the only time I ever hit a home run in baseball was Seth Field was playing Sal. Kyle uh, had great hand and eye coordination. Had he given the same dedication and everything else to baseball as he did football, he would have yep. been far better in baseball. He would have been yep. far better in baseball. My dad, my, my dad says the same thing. He says the same exact thing you said. Yes, I, I mean he's been <laughs> he's been telling me this all my life. I just I just didn't like you be. I, I just didn't have the love for it. Um, thanks, Dad. I appreciate well, that, man. Um, what, you, what, you else, uh, else, what, what do you think you, about you that? Did some... Oh, yeah. I loved it. In fact, uh, I saw them, and and I figured I only saw a little bit of the Korean team, but the Korean team was just like all those other teams that I've seen from the Far East. They're so disciplined. I don't know if the Korean team was like the other teams where they play pretty much every every day that they can, but and that's probably all that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was. I kind of think if our kids, particularly those kids from Chicago, put in that same amount of time, they would have beat those Korean kids. Uh, and those, I don't those, think those Korean kids were big. They had one kid, that, I think the kid that pitched, he was 5'11". I, I've never seen – I mean, you don't really see a lot of 5'11". They're well, I mean, Koreans. not just Koreans, but you don't see five foot eleven baseball age. players at that at that age at age thirteen. No, of course not. I think yeah. I saw you... one. This big sorry kid. Please forgive me for that. This big kid from uh, he played for an Arabian <laughs> from a team from. Are you calling uh, sorry? People sorry. Well, for somebody that big, he was. He, I think he was like six foot something or other. Because I think mm-hmm. his his dad was military, and they were over in. Uh, Saudi Arabia, and they played for the Saudi Arabian teams a couple of years ago. In fact, he had another brother that was uh, going to play basketball somewhere in Texas. I probably that's where he probably is now, okay. uh, somewhere in Texas. Uh, <clears throat> they're actually big, you know. There's just a big family, and uh, but I mean, when they got up against people that threw the ball hard, you know, they didn't have that. Yeah, this kid, no, he was throwing heat. He was throwing, like no he was throwing 75 miles an hour on, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I think what happened was the kids from Chicago, they they finally caught on to him toward the end, but they just didn't have enough time to to. They didn't to have enough time. Yeah. And, and another thing with, you know, the Chicago team had a couple of great pitchers, but they didn't have a lot of depth. They had the pitching that that team from Nevada had. Yeah. But the thing is, they were – Better athletes and uh, than, than a team from Nevada. The team from Nevada dogged them the first time they played them. Mm-hmm. First time but they played, right? I knew that wasn't. I knew that wasn't going to happen the second time. Those kids from Chicago were superior athletes. They were good athletes. They were good ball players. And the fact that they were from Chicago, that was a surprise. You know, you don't think Chicago as far as. And then look at. They don't have anything to really look at except the Cubs and the, and the White Sox. Now, right. you know, it's not like they're seeing the best players in the ma- in, in, in professional baseball until some other team comes to visit. Right. You know, uh, the Giants, Cards, and Braves, somebody like that got to visit before they could see a decent baseball team. Uh, and it's the same thing in the American League. Some, the Yankees, Red Sox, somebody like that got to come in before they see a decent baseball team. Uh but the other thing I like about the Chicago kids was the men involved. When you hear them talk, they were very positive. That's something one of you guys brought up, the fact that fathers aren't, they're not any fathers. And there's not, an, and you're, you're right, 
There aren't enough fathers, aren't enough mentors nope. involved because nope. you got to have grown men working with with yep. these boys. It's in comments and the fact that when he went to the parks, he didn't see a whole lot of black kids playing baseball. That's because I know white guys. And as soon as the kid, their sons get old enough to hold the bat, they're teaching them how to play baseball. In fact. That's the park we played in uh, when Kyle was a kid. It was pretty much predominantly white. And I was one of the few black coaches in that park. There weren't a whole lot of black coaches in that park. And uh, you see a few now. But, you know, there's not a large number. Not You know, there's really... I see some in, in, in Florence because this is a baseball town and it's always right. been. But there aren't enough black men. In fact, Kyle and I were talking earlier today. I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but I think it was a 1977 series. It started, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the first game in the World Series started an all-black team. And I'm saying it wasn't all-American black, but it was all-black because even the Hispanic dude looked like me and you, guys like Manny Sanguian, and Jose Pagan, they were not light-skinned Puerto Ricans. Or, uh, they were, I can't remember whether Puerto Ricans or Cubans, but those dudes were dark as me. That whole team from uh, first base on around, the catcher, every every position in that particular series started a black player. First time I ever saw in my life. I've never seen it since then. And, and let me say this also. Let's not forget that team from Philadelphia with that beautiful little girl. Yes. Uh, yes. Monet. 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 Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and and the bad part about it is we, we probably see her again. And let me see, she's 13 now. About another five years, she might be hanging with Gino because I understand that girl's got a killer basketball yeah, she, game. Yeah, she she's, said, uh, she's, she's, she's a player. Baseball's she her play. third, baseball is her third. Is like that's her third best sport. I understand that girl can ball. Yeah, she can ball, and, and I, 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 I don't gotta, think we've seen think the last. We, we definitely haven't. We definitely haven't seen the last of her. Um, we got a, we got a couple more calls, so we let me jump to the phone, Dad. You got anything else for Hi, tonight? Kyle. No, not right now. Oh, uh, thanks for putting up that thing about Bankhead. I almost forgot about him. Wish I put up Nuke though. Maybe one day okay. we might be able to sneak him in there. Uh, okay. I'll be listening for you guys, and thanks for thanks for. Uh, I'll be still listening in. Okay. Who? Right. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later. All right. So long. All right. All peace. Right. Bye-bye. Phone number my dad calls, 646-478-0356. Always love when dad calls in. Takes the old school, talks about old school stuff. Let's jump to the lines again. We got somebody waiting. 804, the sixth man, my boy QQ. What up? What up, Q? What's up? What's up? I'm good, What's Q? What's going on, Q? Chilling, man. I got two questions for y'all tonight. I don't know if I got more calls, but um, the first question I want to ask y'all, um, in honor of uh, Kobe's 36th birthday, I just wanted mm-hmm. to know if y'all had any special moments or, like, favorite moments from Kobe Bryant to start off. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know what? Let's let's let FIFO start with it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the resident Kobe hater. Even though I don't hate Kobe, you know, I respect you know, people, I, I think I might hate Kobe more, but I don't. I don't make it personal with Kobe. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm so interested to hear your your perspective. So let's let's start with FIFO first. 
Man, um, favorite Kobe moments. Um, I remember way back in the day when Kobe was young, and um, they were playing against Detroit when Grant Hill was at his heyday. I just remember them two going back and forth. I think they both scored like over 25, 30 points against each other. It was crazy. Um, let me see another one. Uh, when, 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 when Kobe was a rookie and playing Jordan, I think he dropped like 30-something on Jordan off the bench that, that game. Uh, that was crazy. That, that was one of my favorite Kobe moments. I think a lot of my favorite Kobe moments are, are young Kobe. Um, you know, as, as Kobe got older, I guess part of the hype that surrounded Kobe because he was supposed to be the next MJ, all this, all that, I just I, I didn't like that. And I didn't like people just trying to put him on the same level because to me, even from day one, it, with as much similarities as they had, and as great as Kobe is, and I never take that away from him, I always call him the second best shooting guard to ever play this game. He was nowhere near Jordan. And that, and that's the thing that I think it, it is the stake that just I can't, I can't get behind Kobe that way like everybody else because everybody wants him to be MJ. He's just not. He's a great player in his own right. You know, um, but – and then obviously the 81. I think everybody's going to throw out the 81. Um, I didn't watch that game live. I, my, funny thing is, I didn't watch that game live. I caught the tail end of it. And then the next day when I went to work, everybody was talking about it. And a lot of people were like, oh, Kobe was just hogging this, that, and the third. So, you know, me being the type of Kobe fan I am, I'm like, he probably was this, that, and the third. But I finally watched the game. And I was like, man, if he didn't do that, they would have lost the game. So, right, right. You know, I, I, I really thought, yeah. Yeah, so I, I do not hate on the 81 game, that, that 81 game. And, and, and that's another thing. It's like, I, how can you hate on a player that can score 81 points? 81 points. Like, no, nah, man, come on, man. I, there's no hate in my heart for Kobe at all. Mm. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, B? Uh, favorite Kobe moment, man? Oh, man. Mine is going to be from a defensive standpoint. That's one thing I think a lot of people don't give Kobe enough credit is his his on ball defense. And I remember mm-hmm. this was this was maybe like about I think three or four years ago in the playoffs, and they was playing OKC. They beat them. They ended up beating OKC in the series. But I just remember Kobe was just like, man, I'm so happy we got rid of y'all. But I remember when Kobe was like pretty much checking, wasn't scared, and he was guarding and containing Russell Westbrook. I was just like. Kobe, respect for me, defensively, just went to a whole other level. Because I've seen him do it, you know, against Allen Iverson when Allen Iverson was in his prime. And to see him do it against Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook is pretty much like like one of the most unguardable guards in his league. And, for, and for, to see Kobe step up and was like, I got him. And then when I saw Kobe was just locking him up, locking him up, locking him up, I'm like, man, I was like, dude, Kobe is, is a monster, man. He is not just offensively, but just defensively. I've seen him step up. Moments when, when T-Mac got hot, when T-Mac was in his heyday, he locked up on T-Mac. You know, it's just, it's, my thing with Kobe is his defensively. We, I'm not going to praise how, how great offensively he is. We all know that. I, I have to touch on defensively. And that, that's, just, that's just up to something off the top of my head. I know I, I, it's plenty more defensive moments that Kobe had. Like, like even though this is an all-star game, but he did put the clamps on LeBron James. Yeah, he did. When the game got when it, when it got serious, because you know how at certain points in the All-Star game, it gets serious, like that right. fourth quarter, man, he, he he put the clamps on LeBron. Had LeBron looking and crying, like, what? 
Westbrook, go to phone. Like, no, nah, LeBron, he is. Kobe locking you up, dude. Like, Kobe was locking him up. Everything LeBron kept doing, Kobe just stripping the ball, blocking, stripping the ball. I'm like, man, Kobe is a monster defensively. I think people just do not give him credit. How And he stepped up to the plate. If, if that player is hot, no matter if they are guard or a small forward, Kobe will guard them. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. So, my favorite Kobe moments is defensive moments for me. True, indeed. What about you, Ken? Favorite Kobe moment? Um, The tattoos, man. Uh, when Kobe Bryant got tattoos. And the reason why, and I know that sounds crazy, but Kobe it came into the league. <laughs> he had this, this golden boy image. You know, he was the perfect, you know, guy. And he went to Colorado. And it, for him, I think it, it was a – he got into to that trouble. He got in trouble right. in Colorado. Uh, and shack. after that, we, we, we saw a different Kobe boy. Kobe, Kobe became a totally different guy. Kobe got tattoos. Kobe, um, Kobe uh, like, he, he had, like, his attitude went to another level. We all remember the, the, the press conference when he was sucking his, sucking his teeth and his lips. Uh, uh, you know, I, I want to say that my family, yeah, the tattoos, man, because I think that that Kobe received a lot of praise for you know being the good guy and all the other stuff, but man, when he was able to actually let go and be himself, it 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 gave him more freedom, and it gave him more freedom to be who he was because he was trying, you know, he was trying to live up to the image that he had at the time. And um, for me, I think we saw him become, like, a totally different player, and he just started to develop more and more into the guy that he became. So, um, so yeah, man, I, I, I like the tattoos, man, because people used to always talk about how good nature he was and this, that, and the other. And, and you know, for me personally, I knew it wasn't true. I had a feeling it wasn't true. I didn't know it to be true. So it was good to finally see, you know, that, that, that um, image that was built up for him, stripped down, and we got to finally see, you know, the Kobe Bryant that, you know, we came to know and and send my love. So yeah, yeah, I think um, I, I I think what I think what you're saying, Ken, is and at that particular time in his life, man, Kobe, prior to the tattoos and everything, he was really all about his image. I mean, if you listen to him, you know, he tried. People would say he tried to talk like Jordan. He tried like he watched Come Fly With Me like a gazillion times, and he tried to mimic everything that Jordan was doing. He tried to walk like Jordan, tried to chew gum like Jordan. I mean, he heard all of the criticism. You know, the, the tattoos were kind of like a symbol, and obviously, you know, all the stuff that he went through with the rape allegation or what have you, snitching on Shaq, all of that stuff. Yeah. You know, so, and he did snitch on Shaq. Um, <laughs> but, um, but nonetheless, I, I think he uh, – you know, he, he got to a point, basically, like you're saying, Ken, where he just didn't care anymore. He he wasn't trying to be Mike anymore. He was just he just kind of got comfortable within his own skin and just wanted to be Kobe. And then I think he just got to a point where he didn't care whether or not you loved him or hated him. And he was perfectly fine with that. You know, I remember them interviewing him, and they asked him, like, who is his best friend on the team? And he said, uh, Adam Morrison. I'm like, come on, man. You, if you're friends with Adam, I mean, I mean, like he had D Fish on his team, he had Shaw, he had Shaq. If Adam Morrison was your best friend on the team, you know, then yeah, that tells me you don't hang out with nobody on the team. You know, like <laughs> like you're just a loner. 
And um, but my, you know, man, my favorite Kobe moment, my most memorable Kobe moment, uh, Q, actually was the two air balls he shot in the playoffs. I think it was his rookie year against uh, Utah. Um, Damn, Kobe. Wait, Kobe was very, huh? And I had one that was crazy. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm gonna tell you why. That was very symbolic for me because, one, he took those shots. And, you know, I think it, it, it takes a lot to take that shot. And it, Because if I'm not mistaken, the plays weren't drawn up for him. I mean, he he happened to get free on the play. But um, if I'm not mistaken, the plays weren't drawn up for him. But his, here's where I think it, what impressed me about it was that Kobe took so much heat in them losing that series. And... For the national media, people really didn't know a lot about him. I mean, they knew that you know that the Lakers had given up a lot and they drafted him, and you know they traded traded up to draft. Excuse me, they traded with uh, Charlotte to draft him, but yeah, people didn't know a lot about him. All they knew was this young hot shot rookie who throws up these two air balls. I mean, they were bad. I mean, three point air balls. He throws up these three point air balls in this playoff game and they lose. And I think what that did was that made him work even harder. Because he made sure that people – he wasn't going to be remembered for those moments where he couldn't come up in the playoffs. And I think that was probably – and keep in mind that over his storied career, I think that might have been the first and last time he's not been clutch. Ever since then, Kobe's been money. Uh, and yeah, for the most part, he's been money. So, okay. I, and, and if if the game yeah. is on the line and you got three seconds left and you're down by two points or down by a point, I wouldn't give the ball to anybody else other than Kobe. Even right now, and I and I don't like Kobe, <laughs> but I've learned to appreciate his game, and I, I have I, I got nothing but respect for his game. Would I go out and have a drink with Kobe? No, not at all, because I think he's probably a herb. But that's me personally. But I, on the court, yeah, Damn. yeah, I, I think I think his I think his game is dope. Um, and and I think you know I, I hope that Kobe comes back to full strength. We'll talk more about it as we get closer to to the NBA season. But I hope he comes back at full strength, man, because you know he, he's he's riding off into the sunset soon, and, and we won't see a talent like that for a while. So, what was yeah, your, uh, second like, question, you know, Q. Uh, before I get to that, my favorite Kobe moment is um when I think it was when he played Carmelo. It was Denver and L.A. This is like maybe like 2008. And I think it was game two where Carmelo was just going off. And everyone was like, we need to stop him. We can't stop him. I think Carmelo had like 40-something points that day a game. And then Kobe in like the fourth quarter made a conscious effort to just stay on Carmelo. Like, Carmelo was a good 245, like two good 250. Yeah. And, you know, he was, he, he'll back you down on the post. And that's how he gets his leverage. So the fact that Kobe was able to – you know, hold him. To, I think it was only yep. like four points in the fourth yep. quarter. That it was ridiculous for me to see that. I was, <laughs> Kobe's like one ninety something. I was like, man, this man is for real. And yeah. you know, like my roots is in Philadelphia, so of course I'm an Allen fan through and through. And I hated Kobe for the longest time because you know all my uncles was just like, man, fuck Kobe. You know, he don't like the city. He never come back to the city. He'll never come here. And over time, I've learned to appreciate Kobe Bryant and what he's done. And if anyone has anything bad to say about his game, all I tell them is just go watch Kobe doing work, the Spike Lee documentary. That's a beautiful documentary. Yeah, I've seen it. It's, a, yeah. it's amazing. It goes through yeah. it's like goes through what he's thinking about, what his yep. procedures are before and during yep. and after the game. It's amazing. I love yep. it. 
But my second question, second question, real quick before I had to get off. Um, better home field advantage, Seahawks or the Saints? Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's uh, Ken, Ken, let's oh, start with you. Better home field advantage, right. Seahawks or Saints? You know, I thought this was was difficult, but are we talking about right now? Yeah, let's go right now. We'll yeah, we'll, yeah, right now. You know what? I, I, I'm still gonna go with New Orleans, man. Um, mainly because that voodoo is real, and <laughs> you know. If, if, if it can happen, it, it's gonna happen, man. <laughs> in, in New Orleans, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going with the voodoo, man. I'm not gonna bet against the voodoo, and you know, um, and the reason why I ask right now because they they've had home field advantage for a minute. Seattle has home field advantage because they have a good team, and I think that that amplifies that and they play through that. But yeah, you know, New Orleans, whether they had bad defense or good defense. They, they, when you come to the dome, man, you you probably gonna walk out out of there with the L, man, <laughs> and not knowing what happened. What about you, B? Uh, who, who's got the best home field advantage, Seattle or uh, New Orleans? Um, I gotta go. I gotta go with Seattle, man. They they call they call that place a 12 man for a reason, and it's like uh, literally, it's literally like a 12 man. I mean. Quarterbacks have a hard time trying to signal plays and hear what the offensive coordinators are saying. Like you never really, well, you never really hear about it about other stadiums except for Seattle. So it must be must be something about that they home crowd that gets them going, that that gets the um, the opposing team off their game offensively, because or even defensively, because even defensive players they can, it's hard for them to hear. If you ever watch a, a team playing at Seattle, you 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 can see like the players looking over to the sideline, like, okay, what do you? I can't. Like what are you saying? I right. can hear you. But, but to see, to see, I mean, to Cam's uh, point though, Drew Brees be playing. Uh, he be having out of body experiences when he play at when he play at home, man. I, like, like man, like every time we playing at home in that dome, man, it's like Drew Brees is turning to a different quarterback. I'd be like, who is this dude? Opposed to him playing, you know, outdoors in the rain or in the weather or something like that. When he's in that dome. Drew Brees is out of body, but I, I, my edge, I gotta go with Seattle, man. I, I gotta go with Seattle. What about you, FIFO? Uh, Seattle or New Orleans, man? Oh, Seattle, hands down. I don't know what the hell Ken's talking about. We call the twelve man for a reason, man. Exactly, twelve man for a reason. You, you talking about Over football high. that has twelve players on the field? So when you have that amount of people, you have to have communication. And if you can't communicate, you're already at a disadvantage. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so hands down, hands down to Seattle, man. It's not even close. It is yeah, close. I'm going to go Seattle too, man, IQ. I, I think it's uh, – Seattle is one of those few places, man, that, like, you can literally hear how loud it is on your TV screen. You don't have to really adjust your volume. You know, a lot of times when these announcers are talking – you know, you hear the background noise, but it's not really that prevalent, prevalent uh, audio-wise and acoustically, uh, acoustically speaking. Um, yeah, man, that, they, their stadium is loud. I, one of my boys, he went out there for a game last year, and he said he literally had a headache, like, from the beginning because he said these people, they just yeah. stand up and yell all yeah. game 
long. Uh, when Seattle yeah, came here two years mate. ago to play the Falcons, checkmate. I was outside checkmate. the Georgia Dome and the ground. And I've ne- and I've been going to Falcons games for years. I've never felt the ground. Sh- I mean, of course, now it was the Falcons and the Saints. I mean, excuse me, the Falcons and the Seahawks making noise. But they brought so many. There were so many fans that came from Seattle. The, the the Georgia Dome was probably like half and half, um, and it was loud. I mean, it, to the point where the ground around the stadium was shaking. And I mean, I'm a good hundred, yeah. two hundred yards away from the stadium tailgate. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Seattle, man. Well, the reason why I ask is um, because I was reading an article, and um, apparently the person who made the Seattle uh, stadium is an evil genius because um, he he has a type of metal up in the rafters of the uh, stadium and sometimes like around like the garden and whatnot. And it's a reverb type metal where sound just bounces off of it. So when everyone's going crazy, the sound is not escaping, even even though it's an outside outside stadium. So when Kaepernick is trying to use his sign language to, um, you know, make sure Crabtree is in place and make sure his guys are there, that's not like exaggeration. That is completely necessary in that building. And I understand, Ken, what he's talking about, because the thing is, when Drew Brees is on and it's in their dome, they have some pretty big sound, too, and it's it's hard to hear sometimes. But it's not even on the level of Seattle. But, you know, if you ask me as a defense, I wouldn't want to play in either of those. Just as a team, I wouldn't no. play in either the dome or, or the uh, link. So it's like, nah, I'm not doing that. Definitely, definitely, definitely. You got anything else for us tonight, Q? Uh, no, man, but make sure, uh, since, since we're still talking about the Ferguson situation, make sure that you guys, I want y'all to go check out this interview on The Breakfast Club with Killer Mike. You know, shout out to him. You know, he was going to in hip-hop. Oh, yeah. Man, and, that uh, was wonderful. Dude, he had a beautiful yeah. interview. So, yeah, just keep man. the dialogue going. And, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's oh, yeah, man. Killer Mike, uh, he had, I, I haven't seen that interview, but I heard about it. I got to check it out. He's also, yeah, he also wrote a couple of pieces, and he was interviewed on CNN. Uh, very, very very bright. I mean, if you don't know that already, uh, for those of you, especially hip hop fans, already know. I mean, that's that's a deep cat. Um, you definitely want to check check out those interviews and anything. He wrote a piece for, I want to say it was USA Today or the AP, one of the two. But um, very very deep and very provocative as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken. Man. All I mean, right. I can't. I'm sorry. All right, Q. Well, I'll see you next week, man. <laughs> All right, man. See you next week. I'm blind. All right, man. All right. Peace. <laughs> Phone number Q call six four six four seven eight zero three five. We should throw Ken off the line. Now let me stop. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Um, man, it's time is flying by. We got about twenty minutes left, so hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Um, next question I want to throw out to you guys. Uh, it's been in the news probably for the last couple of weeks. Actually, last couple of months, and, and pressure is mounting. Uh, the name of the team from Washington, uh, the Redskins. Uh, some feel that the name Redskins is offensive. Uh, Native Americans have been battling uh, Redskins owner Daniel Snyder and pressuring him to change the name. Uh, we've even got commentary all the way up from the White House uh, to Congress who actually want to see the name change. Daniel Snyder says it's not going to happen. Um, he says he's not changing the name. Uh, but here recently what we found is that there's been a, a, a twist of fate, it's fate if you will. Um, some announcers, no, most notably Phil Simms, 
Uh, I think Greg Gumbel uh, and a few other announcers said that they will not be calling the Tony Dungy. They will not be calling the Redskins the Redskins. They will refer to them as the team from Washington or Washington or what have you. But they will not use that word Redskins because they feel it is offensive. Um, so from a marketing standpoint, and, and I also understand that the, the patented trademark was not renewed uh, by the U.S. Patent Service or what have you for the Redskins as well. So from a marketing standpoint, I guess, you know, that affects their business to some degree. Uh, so bottom line, man, FIFA, I'll start with you, man. Should the Redskins change their name? You know, th- th- this subject to me, I, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm desensitized, but it's just not that big of a deal. And, you know, I listen to Sports Talk Radio, and mm-hmm. I, 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 I had the opportunity to listen to, uh, I, I believe his name is Chris Cooley. He, he played he played tight end for the Washington Redskins for several years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was just talking about the stories of going to reserves and, 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 and talking to, you know, Native Americans and everything. And none of them find it offensive. Um, and, and when you look at some of the polls and stuff like that of actual Indians and, and stuff like that, they don't they don't find the term redskin offensive. It's not like the N word to, to to the black race. Um, it, it's so I, I, I just I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I just think that it's but now that, people and not to cut you off. I, I've heard mm-hmm. I've heard some Native American. There there's a petition and there are certain groups that feel that certain Native American groups that feel that. It is as offensive as the N word is. So if you have a set that says that, I mean, what what do you do? I feel like, uh, you know, for me, man, it, my life is simple. Sometimes I guess I'm too idealistic. Um, I just say put it to a vote. Let all the uh, Indians vote on it, and the majority rules. You know, because because it's not up to us to decide culturally what is invasive or you know, derogatory to another culture. I'm not part of that culture. I've never been mm-hmm. on the Indian Reserve. I don't know too many Indians in real life. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm outside looking in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's like saying that um, the U.K. feels uh, saying the word black, you know, is, is, is incorrect. We need to say African-American or just African or, you know, you're outside looking in. How are you telling me what I feel you know, is derogatory toward me and my culture. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm just outside, man. Um, for the majority, from the stuff that I looked at, from Chris Cooley, uh, they the majority of them don't have issues. Some might. Some might. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not saying that's 100%. They don't. But at the end of the day, I'm not in that culture. It does not affect me. The, mm-hmm. Again, the research I, that I've looked at, the numbers and statistics, and a physical player that has been in that organization, has gone on to reserve, have talked to Indians about the name and things of that nature, and, and they don't find it offensive, then I'm going to go with that. Okay, okay. What about you, B? Uh, do you think they should change the name, man? Yeah, they should change the name. I'm standing up for my fellow Native Americans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They came and took, they took the land from us. You know what I'm saying? That we, we was here chilling. We was here chilling. Christmas Columbus and them came and, came and um, you know, knocked us out. You know what I'm saying? They killed all of us. You know, we had our arrows. We were trying to fight them, but they had guns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think they've been, they been, they been fighting this since 1988. Yeah, I think this this fight is long overdue. 
Change the name from Redskins and change to something else. Washington. What, 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 okay, we got Washington Wizards for the NBA. You got Washington Nationals. So, the Washington Capitals. Is, I don't know. That's, that's, that's Washington. Hold on. Something. I don't know. It need to be something besides the Redskins. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up for my fellow Native Americans. And I hope they do change this dang old name. Because what they did to us years and centuries ago. So, yes, I think they should change the name from Redskins to I don't know what. If I come up with a name, I'm going to hit up Rosie and Bill and say, hey, look, we need to change his name. I might have some Native, I might have some Native Americans in my family. I don't know. That. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But you know what? I'm fighting because, you know what, I know how it feels to stand up and fight for something that you want changed. So, yes, change the name from Redskins. I don't like it. I'm standing up for my fellow Native Americans. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Ken's influence has rubbed off on me. <laughs> Ken, what about you, man? Should they change the name, man? Should, should Daniel Snyder make the move to change the name of the Washington Redskins? Oh, my God. I, I'm so I'm, I'm kind of like people. I'm so sick of this story. Um, I, you know what, man? Here's the main problem that I have is that we live in such a politically correct society right now that any little thing that people can find, whether it's a small snippy 500 people that exist that find an offense, then we got a problem. And, you know, this seems to me to be one of those situations. Um, because all you have to do is just put it out there. Oh, this is offensive. This is offensive. And we've been having this discussion back and forth over and over and over and over again. And, you know, like people said, there's data that shows that, you know, they don't find it offensive. And then there's this small subsect of the, the Native American community that do find it offensive. So the question is, do they count and do they matter? You know, and, and, and for me, I don't see this as something that, and I'm trying to be really, really, really careful here, but I don't know if if I can be careful, so I'm just going to say it. I don't know if, all right, wait, wait, let me think about that. <laughs> y'all know, I'll, I'll, I'll step in it, but, um, but man, I, I, I get it. But I don't know if if I don't want to say they shouldn't matter because obviously they do. But if the majority of the people are coming out and saying that we're talking about the majority of their race, the ones mm-hmm. that count, the ones that are speaking out, if the majority and the bulk of them are saying that they don't have an issue with it, why? Do we? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, and, and as an African American, I can get it because I understand that, you know, to some black folks, niggas not offensive. But there's a lot of us that find it offensive, regardless of how you use it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, think the, the scale, the percentages are, are close. I think there's a 50 50 split. Uh, depending on the day, I think it took one way to the other. But I think in this particular instance, based on what I'm hearing and reading, it's a small percentage 
of the Native American community that find it offensive. Actually, it's not. <laughs> so the report and, 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 and the reason why I say that, Ken, is because it depends on who you ask. Because it's, I guess, the best way I could do it to, to equate it, it would be like if if we did a, I mean, how could you poll all black people? If we let's just use black people as an example, you can't poll all the black people, but. What the NFL or, or the Redskins in particular, what they're saying is, oh, well, we have a set of people here in Florida, and they're not offended by it. But you've got people all over the country that they're not considering who are offended by it. And there's more people that are offended by it than the people in Florida, in the set group in Florida. I'm just trying to geographically paint a picture for you. But the the overwhelming majority of people, Native Americans, they don't want it. But, but like B said, they, you know, they... Their voice really hasn't been heard or they haven't gone through the steps because they feel some feel like it's a losing battle. I've looked at a couple of documentaries on it. Personally, I think the Redskins should – I think they should change it. I think if, if it's offensive to – if it's offensive to them, then it should be offensive to all. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's – they've had the name long enough. I mean, we know who they are. We know what – I mean, it, it didn't and, – and shout out to my man Black Fist in the chat room. He said – uh, he said, in a league where the players can't call themselves, will be penalized for calling themselves the N word. We got a team calling themselves the Redskins. He said, he said it's, it's a it's a slur. And if we threw the question out on Twitter. Everybody's saying it should be changed. Um, and he said the NFL and the Redskins can't find a force or study uh, a study or a force of study to make the facts look in their, fall in their favor, and that's true. And none, none of it has none of their research, anything that they've done has fallen in their favor. So, I think from from that perspective, and and I and I, I understand what what Ken and Fifo are saying, um, but I, I'm I'm with B man. I, I think they should change it. I think they should change it. I think because ultimately, what you don't want if you're Daniel Snyder is to be hit in the pocket. If people say, well, you know what, it's one thing to have Native Americans saying, okay, well, we're not going to buy your product. We're not going to go to your games. We're not going to support your teams. That's one thing. But when you have corporate sponsorships start pulling out, if you have, I mean, like they play in FedEx Stadium and the the, the, the naming rights is on the stadium, if FedEx says, you know what, um, after your, 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 your contract is up in 2017, after 2017, if the name of the team does not change, we're we're removing our naming rights. That, I mean, that's that's huge. That's money. You know, I, I think right. a lot of times, it's, especially you know some of the stuff we talk about, you know, especially with Ferguson and not just that, but all across the country, you hurt. You can hurt people a lot when you hurt them in the pocket. You know, people don't want to hear. Sometimes people don't want to hear your opinion or what you think or what you feel. But when you hit them in the pocket, you affect. You can affect change economically. A lot faster than with your opinion, or with a tweet, or with a Facebook post. Um, will it happen? But you know what? Go ahead, go ahead. But but you know what, Kyle? If if if, if there's if there's a larger number of Native Americans that are offended, I think that they need to be heard, and I think that they oh, need they, they definitely do. Get their message out because right now they're fighting a losing battle by remaining silent. So if there's other mm-hmm. people in other states that feel the same way, then they need to fight back. They need to say, no, it's not just a small number of people that you're polling. It's larger than that. But if they continue to remain silent and think because it's not just a losing battle that, that they're not going to fight for it, then you know what? I, not to say it's on them, but it kind of sort of is. We, you have to fight 
something you believe in. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, I don't know if America cares enough to pull the money from it. Because a lot of them are saying that it shouldn't change because it's been that way for forever. So go ahead, people. I know we're running out of time. Um, yeah, no, you're 100% right. I think right now, if they are offended, now is the time to talk because they have Definitely. people with the influences ear. So if now, you know, a whole rash of Indians come out talking about that they don't like the name, it's offensive, this, that, and the third, you already have the broadcasters, the live color commentators, saying that they're not even going to call them by that name. So, so, so it's already out there. It's already a hot-button topic, and all that needs to be for that to be pushed over the edge is for the Native Americans to speak out. So I agree yep. with you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, man. I, like you said, FIFA, I think if, if it's going to happen, now is the time for it to happen because I don't think the iron can, can is not the iron is not going to be any hotter than it is right now. Uh, you don't really have a whole bunch of time. Um, you know, you've got Congress everybody weighing in on it like that. You need to hit it while it's a hot-button topic. And and trust me, the, the, the screams and the cries are going to get louder. But like Ken said, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't say anything. Um, I was surprised, and I don't know if you guys even heard this, uh, the black referee, head, one of the head referees, uh, Mike Carey, he, he, I think they said he, they offered him to do a Redskins game or something like that last year, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't officiate the game. He wouldn't officiate the game because he didn't want to be associated with. That it was more. That was more of a silent protest. He didn't hold a press conference saying, "Hey, I'm not going to be the ref in this particular. I'm not going to be the referee in this game because I find that name offensive." But he just that was just something that on his personal preference. They asked him to do the Redskins game. He decided to do another game. Um, but like Ken said, you know, if you don't open your mouth, you know, closed mouth doesn't get fed. So it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how everything shakes out. Uh, the phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. You're locked in live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle, joined by my boys, Ken B and FIFO. Make sure that you check out our YouTube channel. Matter of fact, when you're done listening, go to our YouTube channel, check out our latest videos. Uh, go to YouTube.com backslash Dead End Sports. We got videos on the on the site. We got more coming as well. Um Let's see. Okay, we got a call. Let's jump. We got time to take a quick call. Let's go to area code 205. 205, calling you on the air with Dead End Sports. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, yes, this is Captain Snake. I uh, love you guys. Uh, first heard Captain of you Snake, guys. what's up, man? What's up, man? Uh, love you guys. First heard of you from Dead End Hip Hop. Uh, just want to say you guys are doing a tremendous thing. But I really wanted to talk about the... Uh, y'all posted a question earlier about uh, home field advantage, and I thought... I don't. I just got onto the show because I was doing my fantasy draft tonight. Okay, and, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, what about Denver? Because you know the high altitude. I mean, you know, there's a lot of players who kind of struggle up there. And you know, Ryan Clark. You know, he couldn't even play up there because he had a condition that if he uh, played up there, you know, it could kill him or something. So I mm-hmm. think Denver is that is a tremendous advantage. Especially, and the crowd is traditionally great there. Also, New Orleans, like you said. Uh, Green Bay, of course, the history of Lambeau Field. And when Buffalo was really good, yeah, that was an excellent place to watch or, you know, for home field advantage. But, of course, they suck now, so it's no big deal now. <laughs> Buffalo used to be really good, uh, really good home field. Yep, four straight Super Bowls, but, man. 
That's right. But I was just going to say Denver. That's, uh, that's one I always think of. And, of course, like you guys said, Seattle was a great one. And I just wanted to get you guys' opinion. Uh, who is your breakout team thus far, like, through the preseason, the team that's uh, really caught your eye? Um, we actually uh, that was actually one of the first yeah. questions we talked about, uh, Captain, um, when the show started. Uh, just real quick, I, I, I said I said Seattle. Um, Ken, who did you say? Uh, Baltimore. Okay, and who was yours, B? Um, I think we have a team that was more of a player, Mark Sanchez. How good he's been looking. Yeah, Sanchez has been looking and really people, good. People, who was yours? Yeah. Um, in terms of positive, now I can't remember. <laughs> so yeah, if you get a chance, uh, Captain, go back and listen to the beginning of the show. Um, you can check it out on uh, BlogTalkRadio.com backslash Dead End Sports. You can check it on Stitcher or iTunes. Um, we have it there. You got anything? We're up against the break. You got anything else for us tonight? Uh, no, I, uh, I think that's it. I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in next week. I just figured out what time you guys came on. And well, one more uh, thing. I don't know how Ken thinks Andy Dalton is not overrated. Because, I mean, he's got A.J. Green, an awesome defense. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh-oh. Say hey, that for next week. Yeah, say that for next week. Thanks for calling in, Captain, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Man, we, we get notification. We got about 60 seconds, man. Got to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, shout out to my dad for calling in. Shout out to my boy Q, the six man, and Captain Sneak for calling in as well. Uh, Got to thank you for tuning in each and every Tuesday night. Remember, this show is being broadcast live. So in the event you miss any parts of the show, check out the archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash dead end sports. You can also check, it out, check us out on Stitcher as well as iTunes as well. Um, like I said, fantasy football is coming up. Uh, we will notify you if we create another league. We probably will have to because of such demand. Um, going to be a lot of trash talking. Going to be a lot of trash talking. Uh, so be rare for that. Uh, so for Ken, for B, for FIFA, I'm your host, 12 Kyle. Follow you guys next week. Peace. Yakko. <laughs>